From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone, and it's uh, a Wednesday morning as we broadcast live from the beautiful Texas Hill Country, where the weather is beginning to, not Christmas, but it's beginning to cool off a little bit. Probably had the uh, hottest summer that I've been out here for 25 years, 105 degrees. Of course, we do not believe this is Mother Nature that we really feel with our research after living out here for 25 years that these are all controlled weather events in this country because they want to push this, um, I won't say it on Facebook, but you know what I mean, what they want to do with the uh, C, C, you know what I mean. But anyway, so it is what it is for now. And uh, good morning. Here's our phone number, 888-663-6386. The email is patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. We're live here on the 27th. In about an hour and a half or so, uh, Darko Valchek will be here. Uh, Darko's internet went out yesterday down in uh, uh, Peru, so he could not be on the show, and um, we will do a show with him at 11.30 or so, or whenever we finish up with Mr. Russell Bentley. Mr. Bentley has been on the show before. He's in Donetsk uh, in Ukraine. It's an area in the southeast near Crimea. Uh, He is a Russian citizen. He went to Ukraine in 2014 to fight the Nazis. Uh, as we used to say when we were kids, Hatsi Tatsi, another little dirty Nazi. And uh, he did, and he's still over there. He's married a, a, a Ukrainian lady, and uh, they're right in the thick of it. So uh, we invite Russell on from time to time to say, what's going on over there? So we're going to say hi to Russell right now. Good evening, sir. It's a, a, it's evening in Donetsk, huh? It's evening. Yeah, it's uh, getting around dinner time, but... Uh I'll be glad to talk to you and have dinner a little bit later tonight. Well, thanks for being on the show. You look well, so uh, war is war is not good, no matter what your what your situation is. Right, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. It's just bad. Well, we've uh, we've kind of grown used to it as much as as it's possible to grow used to war. Um, I came here in 2014. I am originally from Texas. I was born in Austin. Yeah. I spent a lot of time there. Oh, okay. uh, lived in Dallas and Houston, uh, Brownsville, South Padre Island for many years. It's great. But uh, great I'm a state. born and bred Texan, and uh, I came here in 2014 because I saw what was happening, the war crimes that after the uh, Maidan coup d'etat that was backed by the U.S. Uh, State Department and Secret Services they overthrew the democratically elected uh, president, overthrew the government, and um, the hand-picked uh, regime that uh, Victoria Newland w- had intercepted phone call, and um, she was telling Jeffrey Pyatt, who was then the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, she said, I want this guy in this office, I want this guy in this office, um, you know, this guy we don't want in, we want to keep him kind of on the sidelines. And uh, that that phone call was intercepted and published, and it was check one two. You okay? You still there? Oh, yep. okay. okay. Uh, it seems like the video is freezing, but I guess the audio is still going. So this phone call was uh, intercepted, recorded, and published 
And uh, every single person that this woman from the U.S. State Department had chosen for a specific job in the Ukrainian government, you know, all those people got exactly those jobs that she said she wanted them. Well, so, yeah. you know, there's there you can't call it a democracy. You can't call it, you know, anything. It's it's a foreign control of the Ukrainian government. It's been that way since the whole time. I saw, you know, after the uh, Maidan coup in the spring of 2014, I started seeing these war crimes. Uh, there was a massacre in Odessa when scores of people were burned to death, beaten to death. Um, that were just because they were protesting the overthrow of their own democratically elected government. And, uh, you know, uh, airstrikes on civilian uh, city hall, stuff like that. It was just uh, really terrible. And I felt a responsibility mm. to, Go. you know, to stand up and to fight, you know, the Nazis of the 21st century, just like my grandfather fought the German Nazis in World War II. <laughs> and, you know, and a lot of people say, oh, uh, you know, you know, Zelensky, the president that was put in power that's in there now, uh, they say, oh, Zelensky's a Jew. There can't be Nazis in Ukraine. And that's uh, that's really ridiculous. That's uh, like circular, you know, Reason. Yeah. analogy thinking. And I can tell you that just the other day, and it's a pretty big news item in, in the news right now, uh, in the uh, Canadian parliament, they just, uh, um, they gave a big uh, standing ovation to this guy. It was a Ukrainian SS Nazi collaborator during the Second World War. And now, I mean, the Speaker of the House of the Canadian Parliament resigned today because he introduced this Nazi and, uh, and gave him a standing ovation. You know, I mean, really, um, it's Trudeau's fault as well. And Christia Friedland, who is the Deputy Prime Minister and also uh, the granddaughter of a Ukrainian Nazi collaborator, uh, who's very uh, pro-Nazi. Uh, I mean, these are simple historic facts, man. It's not like Russian propaganda or mm -hmm. I'm making it up or something, or it's my opinion. These are facts. And, uh, you know, the whole entire uh, um, uh, Canadian parliament has, has uh, apologized. Uh, the speaker has resigned. But Christia Friedland has yet to... Uh, to say anything except, oh, uh, we're going to take a look at it, you know. So, yeah. I mean, when I say that there's Nazis in Ukraine, you know, anyone that disputes that fact now, uh, um, you know, after almost 10 years of war here, uh, makes themselves re ridiculous by doing so. I understand. Back in 2014, with, with all of the uh, media that's totally controlled in this country, Russell, in the United States, I mean, all of it, you know, Except mm -hmm. five or ten websites. Um, how did you, how did you get uh, enough information that you believe to be true to go over there? Did you have people over there that you talked to? And no, uh, you know, and actually, it was. I mean, of course, you know, if you to watch television, you know, television news, you know, you might as well be, uh, you know. Watching cartoons. Stuff and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, dog do in your ears or something, you know, rubbing it in your eyes. Um, you can't find anything except the opposite of the truth on the mainstream media. Uh, you know, and remember, you know, we're talking about 10 years ago. Censorship was bad then, hmm. but, you know, it was nowhere, you know, beyond imagination that it is now. You know, I mean, I was on Facebook. That's where I got a lot of my information from, you know. I mean, really? there were certain groups. There were certain uh, people that I followed 
uh, who were like, you know, uh, independent journalists that were here from the get go. And uh, I mean, and they've all like myself, I got I got deleted from Facebook banned permanently back in 2019 after years of, you know, being on for a week and getting a 30 day ban and getting on yeah. for another week and another 30 day ban like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, alternative news websites, um, you know, there was there was still places. I mean, even YouTube, you know, I mean, YouTube kicked me off in 2022 uh, as soon as the special military operations came in when when the Russians came finally did come into Ukraine. I mean, you understand that the U.S. and the Ukrainians and NATO countries have been saying that it's been a Russian invasion since 2014. And, you know, after years of brutal attacks, I'm talking tanks, heavy artillery, airstrikes, snipers, you know, on the civilians and the defenders of the people of Donbass, you know, the Ukrainian army with the backing and direction of U.S. and NATO troops was planning on a giant military offensive in the first week of March of 2022. The Russian army came in to prevent that, which would have been, you know, a, a, a terrible genocide. And, uh, you know, so the Russian army finally came in, you know, eight years after, uh, you know, the U.S. and the Ukrainians had been saying that uh, that they were here, you know. So, again, you get the false information. You can find the real information still, you know, if you look for it. I mean, these days, um, you know, YouTube, which is owned by Google, is getting worse and worse. Google is censoring now its search engines. Same for DuckDuckGo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're, uh, they got them all. they're changing around the, the search results. Um, you know, so YouTube is getting more and more censored. Um, you know, Facebook is just off the charts now, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I understand. if, if yeah. they begged me, to, if they paid me money, I wouldn't go back on Facebook. <laughs> so, so, on, uh, so, um, in, in Ukraine now, then can we assume that all of the media on internet, uh, on radio, television is all propaganda? Um, well, okay. Well, first of all, I want to make an important distinction is that the okay. part of Donbass where I live right now uh, is now legally after a referendum. You know, we we have joined the United States. I mean, excuse me, the the Russian Federation. Right. We're now a part of Russia. Okay. Uh, same same as Crimea. Mm-hmm. Can you, you know same as you know the the history of Donbass has a very similar, great number of similarities and parallels with the history of Texas. You know, uh, in 1836, uh, the Texans rebelled because of a, you know, military coup in Mexico City. A general put himself in power, changed the Constitution, and the Texans didn't like that, so they rebelled. The Mexican army came, you know, from Mexico City, led by Santa Ana, all the way up into Texas, and they fought a revolution, you know, and they came here to squash the revolution and ended up getting squashed themselves, which is very much the same thing that happened in Donbass. Then, for 10 years, Texas was its own republic. And then, um, after 10 years, Texas was invited to become part of the United States. And so they held a referendum, they voted, and they decided to become part of the United States. And so the people of Donbass had every bit as much right, have every bit as much of a right 
to secede from Ukraine as the Republic of Texas did to secede from Mexico. And we have every bit as much right to uh, have a referendum, a you know, open democratic vote, and decide to join Russia. We have the same right that Texans did when they decided to join the United States. Oh, fair and enough. That's what we've and done. that's what you've and done. That's very what much you've... on a similar timeline, too. So does uh, Russia, with their bombs and whatever they're doing, do they, do they are able to keep your area out of that, knowing that you're part of Russia? Unfortunately, no. I mean, and even, you know, you know, Moscow has been bombed by the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the bridge to Crimea has been bombed by the Ukrainians. Crimea, the, you know, the, what used to be the border with Ukraine, you know, on the Russian side has been bombed by the Ukrainians. This is a very, very serious war. And, uh, you know, uh, NATO and the United States in particular are backing it very, very heavily and strongly, you know, and a lot of people understand that, you know, there's hundreds of billions of dollars worth of money and weapons that are coming in from the, you know, the West. But they also, but what they don't understand is that there's now tens of thousands, many tens of thousands of mercenaries and even, you know, regular NATO troops who basically took off their the uniform of their country and uh, came over here and signed a contract with Ukraine and are fighting on the Ukraine with the Ukrainian army on the side of the Ukrainian army now. So, yeah, you know, Russia is literally fighting NATO already in Ukraine. And as you know, NATO is the United States without the United States. NATO doesn't exist. So it's essentially a proxy war right now. So that brings us to some really interesting questions. Um, did you, by chance, get the video I sent you with General McGregor, Colonel McGregor? Um, I, I, don't, I don't recall if I have, That's so okay. maybe I didn't. There, uh, Tucker Carlson, who has more listeners than all the mainstream media combined, and you know, he's got mm-hmm. sometimes up to 100 million people. He had a Colonel McGregor. Uh, Douglas McGregor on mm-hmm. 30 I'm year, familiar with McGregor, of course, and Tucker Carlson, too. Yeah, yeah, a 30-year uh, army. And uh, he said some amazing things in that video. We posted it on our site, Russell Bentley. I mean, he says mm-hmm. that uh, up to half a million, 400,000 Ukrainians have died and uh, about 40,000, 50,000 Russians that the war is essentially over. Russia is kicking booty big time, and there's no way that anybody uh, can say that Ukrainian U- Ukraine is going to make it out of this thing alive. What do you think? Well, I agree with. Th- I mean, first of all, I'll say that his uh, his figures are accurate as far as the uh, number of Ukrainian soldiers that have died. Four hundred thousand is a uh, reasonable and perhaps even conservative estimate. Mm. Uh, mm. It is my understanding that he may have lowballed the number of Russian soldiers that have died mm-hmm. uh, by a, a significant amount. Um, oh, just to sell time, his uh, just to sell his idea, he could have lowballed that because people do that. What you're saying? Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. fine. I mean, uh, fair enough. I, I mean, I can guarantee that. I mean. In in the one in the Battle of Bakhmut, uh, forty thousand Russian soldiers died. Wow! Know? Oh, and, just uh, there. So, so it's got to be more than forty 
K total. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's off on yeah. that. So, I mean, you know, McGregor, um, and and Scott Ritter as well. Both, uh, you know, they seem to have found their their calling uh, by telling people. Uh, you know, first of all, make sure to tell themselves to tell people that they are the experts. Uh, second of all, to uh, tell people what they want to hear. I mean, there's a significant percentage. I won't say a majority, but there's a significant percentage of Americans who understand that uh, you know uh, the U.S. and Ukraine are not the good guys in this war at all, and that uh, you know for many different reasons they hope that uh you know uh the russians will win and you know and so uh when somebody comes along and says oh yeah the russians can't lose you know they're gonna win you know that's like uh it's like opinion confirmation in the first place which everybody likes to hear it when somebody tells them that they're right you know and in the second place it gives them hope and you know and it makes them excited and it gives them something to talk about sure. around the water cooler at the uh, at the office you know I understand. so i mean these guys you know they have uh, a legitimate opinion but uh, i think that in both ritter and mcgregor's cases they're often uh, mistaken to a, a fair degree and i think mo- just that they're overly optimistic man because the thing that they I mean, what they say is, oh, yeah, Ukraine can't win, which is true. Ukraine cannot win. But Russia is not fighting Ukraine. Russia is fighting NATO in Ukraine right now. Yes, sir. And, you know, and the, you know, the chances of this having a, you know, long lasting peaceful resolution are still very, very low. I mean, and they're much lower that the chances of this thing could still get, uh, very seriously out of hand. Well, that, that, that's the big question. Uh, by the way, if you care to join us with a question for Russell Bentley, he's in Donetsk in Ukraine, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, or you can call 888-663-6386. So uh, we'll just uh, kind of spitball it here, Russell Bentley. If what you're saying is true, that and the United States, uh, the people here are losing are losing um, hope that there's anything good that's going to come out of this. More and more polls that people say we shouldn't be here uh, and um, uh, we shouldn't be there. But uh, the United States is in a position, aren't they, where where the the only thing they can do is step on the gas and jump in with the hot war with Russia to try to salvage something out of this. I mean, they... They put $150 billion over there, at least, right? Um, you know what I'm saying? What are they going to do? The United States, Newland, and these neocons, they're not just going to walk away and say, well, you know, we were wrong, we lost. You know, they're just not going to do that, are they, Russell? Well, they better. They better, because... Uh, <laughs> I want no, you to get you like, more in the uh, center, Russell. More in the center of the picture. Move all to your left. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, stay there. Mm-hmm. And look in the camera here. That boy... So you you were saying they better do that because? Because uh, it's Russia that cannot and will not lose. I mean, even if they Mm. fight NATO in Ukraine, they will smash NATO. I mean, you understand that Mm. the the military power of most of the European countries, including France, including um, Germany, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, the, the Baltics, you know, I mean, Germany... 
you know, they have like maybe 50 actual, you know, combat ready tanks, you know, I mean, the, I mean, if you look, if you go to like the websites that compare military power of different countries around the world, you know, you can understand that NATO is a paper tiger. Uh, the only thing that keeps it afloat, like you say, the only powerful, I mean, Poland is now the, probably the most powerful European army in, in, in NATO. But they seem to be but, losing interest in, in, in helping in Ukraine. With these, well, I right? mean, they, they're beginning to understand yeah, what the price is if they keep uh, mm-hmm. kicking the Russian bear, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, and NATO cannot win either, but the intent to escalate, the intent to uh, provoke Russia into a much bigger, much hotter war, I mean, if Russia goes in, say, to into Poland or something like that, mm-hmm. then Article 5 of the NATO Charter comes into play and all the other countries are obliged. You know, they can either come in to defend I got you. Russia, I mean, to defend Poland, or they can say, okay, uh, you know, we quit. We're not in NATO anymore. I got you. And so the United States understands this. I mean, the, United, the only way that NATO could even have a possible chance is if the United States sent, you know, half their military over to Europe. And, uh, I mean, if it's if it got to that point, they wouldn't make it across the Atlantic. Yes, sir. You know, so. well, and, and what's to stop uh, Zelensky from shooting a big rocket into Poland and blaming Russia like they've done with all other wars, and you know, in Vietnam, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, and that's what they did, and, and they do it all the time. So if they really they, want to get in this thing, of times right? right? In, uh, in, in this war, uh, particularly blaming Russia and Donbass, you know, the Ukrainians shooting at their own, uh, at territory that's under their control. I mean, they did it just uh, at the beginning of this month. Hmm. Um, a Ukrainian... Uh, Storm Shadow missile hit a uh, hit a open air market in Konstantinovka, which is under Ukrainian control, and they immediately and including like uh, you know American media and American government immediately within minutes, you know they're blaming it on on Russia. Sure, but then comes out the video, you know, and you can see, you know, you can you know, and there's video you can see and hear the missile approaching. You know, you can see which direction when the missile is coming in, you can see people turning around to look and they're looking to the northwest, which is not which is there's no Russians in the northwest. You can see the reflection of the missile flash by across the roof and the window on the windshield of a car that's parked in the market. You can see it. You can hear it. You can see the people turning around. Even the New York Times just uh, yesterday or the day before admitted i mean straight out flat admitted that it was a ukrainian missile the ukrainians are still lying about it they're saying that now the new york times is russian propagandists you know sure, yeah. <laughs> so i mean anyone anyone that tells the truth about anything in this war is now a russian propagandist but uh I you know, I mean, so, so that was that was just the latest incident you know where ukrainian weapons killed you know ethnically russian people that are on territory that's controlled by Ukraine, and they try and blame it on Russia. Hmm. So civilians, the, the word civilian area. The word win gets tossed around in these kind of conversations, Russell Bentley, and 
But what would that even look like? I mean, it would. I guess it would just have to be Ukraine and NATO just say, uncle, and we surrender and we're, we're going to move out. That would be a win for Russia. But how could you possibly have a win for NATO, even if the United States jumps in? I mean, you'd have to destroy the entire Russia and the everything, and that's not going to happen. I mean, that's not going to happen. That's not Russia happen. Has, uh, you know, the uh, the missile technology, uh, the uh, underwater drone technology, hmm. the uh, uh, nuclear technology that Russia has now is superior by decades of development ahead of anything that uh, the United States or anybody else in the world has. And um, that's what this general was saying you know, on, on Carlson's show. That, that is a fact. That wow. is a fact. And I mean, and if, if, if hmm. uh, the West forces, you know, and that's the biggest danger is that sure. the West will, you know, through irresponsibility or insanity, you know, use a tactical nuke or something like that. Put Russia in a situation where it's forced to defend itself with nuclear weapons. And if that happens, you know, all bets are off. They have, the Russians have a nuclear bomb that can, and it's, and it's on a undetectable, unstoppable, uh, underwater, like unmanned submarine. Mm. And that bomb is big enough that if they blow it up underwater off the coast of England, will create a tsunami, you know, hundreds of meters high, you know, hundreds of yards high, and it will wash all the way across the island of Great Britain. Is this public? How did you? How do you know this? Is this uh, information? Dude, it's it's um, it's called the Poseidon missile, and wow. anyone is welcome to can- look that up and see exactly what it is. It's been. You know, it's hmm. it's been out there in in the uh, public information for the last couple of years. You know, and that's and you know people, you know, on both sides take it very seriously. It's not it's not a, a urban legend or yes, it's not a joke. It's not a bluff. I understand. You know, uh, Colonel McGregor on Carlson's uh, video suggested that the tanks that we've been sending, not we, the United States. I don't belong. The United States has been sending are these hot running turbo tanks that run out of fuel like very quickly rather than the diesels that they should be using. Do you know anything about that? Sure, of course. Uh, I mean, the Abrams tanks have supposedly not yet gotten to Ukraine. But I can tell you that the Leopards and the Challengers that have been sent already from the Leopards from Germany and the Challengers from Britain, uh, you know, it's they're basically uh, obsolete. They're 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 selling their garbage to Ukraine hmm. uh, on credit, hmm. but basically instead of having to decommission these things that are obsolete, I mean, and it's very instructive and very important for people to understand that uh, this is the war in Ukraine, which is a very, very I mean it's a very serious major war, um, you know artillery tanks, you know uh, multi thousands of troops. You know, charging against uh, you know objectives, um, but this is the first uh, drone war in human history, and what even a few years ago were thought of as just uh, you know toys or perhaps something useful for filmmakers mm-hmm. um, are now you know literally the most scariest and deadliest weapon 
uh, on the whole battlefield. Tell because, us how. Tell us how um, these drones are being used. Help us understand well, what, what you've just okay. said. So there's first of okay, there's multiple kinds of drones. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've owned several of them myself, uh, like the Mavic DJI Mavic drone, which is made in China. Um, they have, uh, I mean, it's it's a uh, you know 4K high definition camera. They have them also now with thermal imaging, so uh, it's got a heat sensor on it. They can see people, uh, you know, vehicles, animals, whatever stuff like that that gives off a heat signature. They can see that in total darkness at night. Hmm. Um, so it's you know very very. I mean, it's got like a you know a 10x zoom. So, you know, it's it's a very, very powerful camera. Uh, so for, you know, it's it is the most, you know, uh, effective. It's more effective even than satellites, you know, because um, it can't I mean, it can't stay up forever, but it can see things better and clearer than a satellite. You yeah. know? So, hmm. you know, so for detecting enemy positions, uh, for detecting uh, enemies that are, you know, approaching your positions, you know, these are you know, more effective than anything else that's ever been been known, you know. And both sides uh, these, have these. Both these sides. drones, both. they can also carry, uh, you know, small bombs, uh, hand grenades, stuff like that. And that and, and I've been underneath these drones when they were attacking, you understand? And and it's really scary because, you know, they're, you know, they're about as big as, you know, big around is a pe- you know, the size of a pizza box. Hmm. Not wow. even a large, but you know, wow. a medium. <laughs> and when they fly, you know, over say two hundred meters high, you can't, you cannot see them at all. You, you cannot hear them at all. Wow. But they can zoom in on you from that height, and they can tell, you know, what kind of cigarette. You know, where, if if you're eating your lunch, they can tell if you're using a spoon or a fork, and that's no exaggeration. Wow. You know. But you can't see them, and you cannot hear them. And they, they've modified them now where you can, they can carry like three or four of these uh, rifle grenades, which are, um, you know, they have about a five-meter, you know, uh, lethal range. And, I mean, but they've gotten enough practice now where they don't miss. They don't miss. I mean, and, you know, and there's plenty of videos on the Internet where you can see you know, they, they drop, you know, they drop one and the guy gets wounded and he's laying there and then they drop another one, you know, and it lands between his legs and, you know, both his legs and everything else are just completely blown off. You know, it lands on his shoulder and his head goes flying, you oh. know, 30 feet away. Russell Bentley is with so us. They're he's very from, scary. They're very dangerous. He's from Donetsk. Uh, if you care to join us, email or you can call. Uh, Russell, uh, just to... And to wrap up on the drones, both sides have these things, right? Both sides are doing the. That's okay, right. Okay. Both sides are using them. I mean, uh, one one difference is is that the, uh, the Ukrainian size has used and it's been documented. They've published themselves videos of them making uh, chemical weapon uh, bombs and also using them uh, like on prisoners, Russian prisoners of war. Uh, you know, to test the poison or whatever, they dropped some on uh, prisoners and filmed it and published it. You know, I mean, so yes. the Ukrainians are using uh, chemical weapons on their drones. They have used them. And um, 
and, and of course, Russia is not because Russia doesn't need to. But the drones uh, are a, a total game changer in this war. It makes it a whole new different kind of warfare. And uh, Okay. Uh, here's an email from, from Brand, Brendan. Uh, can you ask Russell if there has been a lot of damage inside Russia itself from Ukrainian missiles or aircraft or... Yes, there has been a significant amount of uh, damage uh, inside of Russia, including in Crimea. Uh, Drones have hit Moscow multiple times. Um, You know, the the borderland of what the border used to be between Ukraine and Russia, uh, there's been a lot lot of shelling and also a lot of drone attacks uh, in those areas, too. You know, I mean, of course... uh, it's, I would say it's not comparable to the whooping that uh, Russia is putting on the Ukrainians. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, if, if, if one bomb is falling in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. it seems like a lot to you, you know, so. Yeah. So, course, uh, so are they running out of, is your, are Ukrainian running out of able-bodied men for this thing? Talk, talk about that, what you see and yes, hear going on. Yes, they are, because of, because of their... Uh, you know, horrific, unimaginable losses. I'm talking about uh, hundreds of thousands, you know, and really they're, you know, the ones that are left have all ran away or they're hiding, you know, because it's, it's a suicide mission. You know, you can, you can die the first day on the front. So I have friends. I mean, I was a soldier here myself, 2014, 2015-2017 uh, most of my friends are soldiers uh, who are still serving in the army defending Donbass and Russia and they're in multiple different units I have guys you know all along the front that are my friends and they you know they come back to Donetsk uh, every month or two for a few days to you know have some some leave and to rest up and um, I always try and get a hold of them when they're in town and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I just spoke to uh, a couple of them just the other day, like two days ago, from two different units, you know, uh, more than 100 miles apart, you know, one to the north of Donetsk and one to the south. And, and they both told me the same thing. They said that the number of foreign mercenaries and actual NATO troops uh, that are not fighting under, you know, NATO uniforms, but, uh, you know, basically came here and just changed uniforms. But um, they said the number of Western mercenaries and troops that's now fighting on the front in Ukraine is much, much higher than most people understand. They said uh, if it's not 50 percent now, it soon will be. 50 percent meaning, I, I don't understand that number. Of, 50% of all the soldiers on the Ukrainian side will soon be foreign mercenaries and soldiers. So do you know, are there a lot of countries that are doing this, uh, sending in the NATO from France or Italy? And Yeah, sure, of course, from all of them. I mean, uh, just uh, the mm-hmm. other day, the uh, our guys, they hit a German tank, uh, a leopard tank um, with a the anti-tank missile uh, basically it disabled the tank um, they went up to investigate 
everybody was, you know, the crew, all the crew was dead except for the driver. And they opened the driver's hatch and he says, Nick Sheeshin. That means don't shoot in German. Don't shoot. Yeah. yeah and he said, uh, and he died of his wounds uh, shortly thereafter. But he said, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a mercenary. I'm in the Bundeswehr. I'm in the German army. And uh, all the guys, all the crew of this tank, you know, were in the German army before they made the same mistake that their grandfathers did and drove a, Rus uh, a German tank onto Russian soil again and ended up just like their grandfathers did hmm. in 1945. Russell Bentley, what can you tell us about the stories of the, um, the graft and, and the money being stolen and wasted and selling some of these tanks on, in, on eBay and God knows where? And do, you, do you have any insights of that, of how, how rotten is it with what Zelensky is uh, doing? It's, um, you know, reports from the front, from the Ukrainian army side, the Ukrainian soldiers themselves, you know, they, they make videos, they show, uh, they get food boxes uh, mm -hmm. from, you know, that, you know, it's like with maggots crawling through the food they're supposed to eat. You know, they say that they get about 30% of the ammunition and weapons that they're supposed to be getting, uh, with the implication, of course, that 70% is being stolen and sold abroad. Mm-hmm. You can look, uh, you know, on the uh, dark web, you know, uh, um, just like three, year, three years ago, uh, an illegal AK-74 machine gun on the uh, black market in Marseille, France, uh, cost 2,000 bucks. Now it costs about, or, you know, 2,000 euros. Now it costs about 300 euros, you know, and there's a reason that that, you know, the price has gone down. To almost one tenth, it's because there's so many of them there now. You know, mm -hmm. everybody that wants one already has one. Mm -hmm. And what about you know, I mean, everything else, dude. There was a, a photograph. This will be interesting to my fellow Texans. There was a photograph taken uh, the, early in the summer of this past year. It showed uh, a soldier of the Gulf Cartel, Gulf, uh, walking along a dirt road outside of Matamoros, Mexico right across the river from where I grew up in Brownsville. And he's got a, uh, you know, body armor on. He's got a, a big, you know, Gulf cartel emblem. You know, he's carrying an AK-47. And he's got a uh, AT-4 uh, Swedish Bofors um, anti-tank rocket launcher on his back. Hmm. And um, th there was a lot of AT-4 anti-tank rockets that were sent to Ukraine. And now the boomerang has returned, and now, you know, the Gulf cartel do has the, one of those, you know, you, that'll, that will destroy a tank. Do you have any uh, uh, insights of the, the, the Ukrainian people in general, the mass population, on, do they have any, any idea of the... Uh, um, you know the theft and, and, and you know the this the swamp that's going of on. Of course with they the, do. Do they of know? Of course they do. Man, do the, they uh, hmm. the New York Times just came out with the article like in the last two days, and since um, since two thousand twenty, the population of Ukraine has decreased. By 10 million citizens. That's how many have left. Out of a, a country, 
that's out of a country of 40 million people. Ten I mean, it's well, it's including the people that have died. It's com- including the people that have left. Hmm. And it's also including the, you know, the maybe two or three million uh, that live in Donbass. Since last year, we had a, a referendum where we officially became part of Russia. So, I see. you know, we're not, you know, in by realistic count, we're not any longer counted as Ukrainian citizens. I see. Uh, we all have Russian passports and we all claim uh, Russian. to be Russians and not Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. But even still, you know, so you're talking about, you know, 25 percent decrease in the country's total population in three years. You know. That means in 12 years, there won't be anybody left at this rate, you know? And where are they going? Uh, just various countries? Well, they were- do you know the country that uh, more Ukrainian people have gone to than any other country in the world? No. Russia. Oh, of course. Why not? Yeah. Of course. Of uh, course. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the thing. That, that <laughs> puts the lie to the propaganda. Oh, you know, Russia's the right. aggressor country. They hate Ukrainians. They're terrorists. They're... You know, sure. evil orcs, whatever like that. If if Russia was that bad, then most Ukrainians wouldn't be going wouldn't be going there. And Russia you know, is welcome. I, mean, wel- I, I welcoming- believe that uh, Poland is the second uh, highest country with mm-hmm. the second highest number of Ukrainian refugees, but they have uh, you know a fraction of what Russia does. Wow. Russia has two or three more times more. Is Putin Ukrainian refugees and is Russia making it easy for them to come in and welcoming them, helping them? Well, they're making it so easy that there's a lot of, uh, you know, natural born Russian citizens that aren't too happy about it. You know, really? Because, All the- you know, I mean, nobody likes to see, you know, millions of refugees all of a sudden show up in your town or in your country. And, you know, there's a, a lot of people in Russia do have uh, the right to be, uh, you know, if not indignant, at least suspicious about Ukrainian people who, you know, many of whom come from areas of Ukraine that are heavily infested with Nazis. You know, I mean, yeah. and the thing about Ukrainian people is they're basically they're, you know, they're Slavic people. They're, you know, the same genetics as Russians or Belarusians. Um you know, and so, you know, there's no genetic difference between them. But after the second, you know, during the Second World War, a lot, okay, even before the Second World War, after the Bolshevik Revolution, um, Ukraine was at that time a part of Russia. It was called Malo Russia. It was called Little Russia or Ukraine, which means like, you know, the borderlands or the outskirts. Um, after the First World War, um, there started to be like a Ukrainian separatist movement after the uh, the Russian Civil War, the Russian Revolution, and there was a a, a nationalist movement of Ukrainian people uh, before the German Nazi invasion of uh, the Western Soviet Union in 1941, and what happened was. When the Germans came in, the German Nazis came into, you know, the area of Lvov of, of Western Ukraine, there was a lot of people there who greeted them as liberators. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was very powerful. The guy that uh, was applauded in the Canadian 
uh, parliament the other day was a uh, Ukrainian Nazi collaborator who joined the Waffen SS. You know, I mean, and these guys were known, these Ukrainian Nazi collaborators were known to be the most cruel and brutal and bloodthirsty of all, all, all the Nazi collaborators, you know, throughout Europe. You know, I mean, even what they did was even shocking to, you know, German Nazi SS, you know, who had no qualms about slaughtering whole villages of people, whatever. But um, so when you use you know, the term the, Nazi, and we understand it, and they they're the ones that went into Russia uh, in the war, right, and killed what millions of Russians, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. So can we twenty-seven million? Twenty-seven million. So no, yeah, mostly no, civilians. No wonder Putin doesn't want people on his border. I mean, right? NATO on his border, Nazis on his border. I mean, mm -hmm. would you if you were Putin? Well, I mean, it's it's a simple historical fact. Twenty-seven um, million. Wow. It's funny. I mean, do you, I mean, and people, you know, and the thing is, this is how history gets not only erased but then rewritten. Sure. I mean, how how many people in the United States, uh, you know, they say, oh, you know, we went over and saved Europe from the Nazis, you know. I mean, and of course, you know, there was a heroic effort by, uh, you know, the Allies, uh, sure. Britain, Canada, you know, the United States. Um, and we did. We liberated Europe. But the thing is, we waited for almost you know, <laughs> three years after the, until the Russians had already broken yes. the back of the German military power. Uh, you know, history shows that the historical Hitler. Yeah. fact yeah. is that 80% of the combat, 80% of the destruction of German, Germany's military might during the Second World War was done on the Eastern Front, on the Russian Front. On the Russian Front, yeah. I mean, yeah. so Russia basically, you know, the West basically, you know, Russia had already, uh, you know, smashed the German army. The German army was already retreating back to Germany before D-Day, before, wow. you know, the, the other allies even took step into Europe. The uh, first uh, casualty of war is the truth, Russell Bentley, and... That's and uh, right. I think history shows that that uh, Russia Hitler was he was dead in the water and in and, and the winter didn't have oil didn't didn't have anything uh, and before the United States went in there and then of course and we tell the kids in our schools that we saved the the whole thing of course that's not true mm -hmm. you know? well uh, Russell Bentley is here so we're hearing reports of um, uh, some nasty stuff with so many kids that have disappeared out of Ukraine and you know you know where that's going with the whole pedo thing mm -hmm. and there's a lot of connection between the Bidens and Ukraine and you know, the pedo stuff and then also to add to that with the lots many thousands of women that have been kind of kidnapped and used into forced prostitution so these mm -hmm. stories uh, can you elaborate on them sure of course and again like so much uh, Western propaganda what they say is the exact opposite of the truth yes you know i mean the international criminal court recently recently and to its absolute absolute disgrace and shame has put out a uh, an international arrest warrant for uh, vladimir putin and for the woman that uh leads an organization in russia for uh, the defense of 
of children. And what's happened, of course, is that many children have, uh, in most cases, along with their families, been evacuated from, you know, frontline areas, dangerous places uh, along the front lines in Ukraine and gone to Russia. And so the lie is that, oh, they're being kidnapped, they're being used for all these nefarious purposes. But, and, and there are kids that are being used as sex slaves. There are kids that are being uh, sold for their organs. But it's not Russia that's doing it. You can look on, uh, on the dark web. I've actually done some pretty serious um, research into this. Um, I've found advertisements saying they can, you know, that they have three kids for sale, three little boys, nine years old, seven years old, and six years old. They can bring them to Lvov, or for extra payment, they can bring them into Poland. Uh, you know, it's uh, I've seen advertisements for, from Ukraine. I'm telling you, from Ukraine, and say, you know, we have two little girls here. Uh, they have uh, O-type blood. They have clean health certificates, which means, you know, uh, a pedophile isn't interested in what blood type, you know, a little kid has. But somebody that needs a liver needs a liver from somebody that's their own blood type, you know? Wow. Yeah. I mean, dude, there was a thing, and it's pretty been pretty well documented. You can look it up in uh, June of this year. Uh the British defense minister came with a group of uh, British citizens for a meeting in Kiev with Zelensky. Uh, they flew like a, you know, a government small business jet to Poland. Then they took a helicopter from Poland to Kiev. Um, apparently, Prince Andrew, the same good old friend of Jeffrey Epstein, who ended up paying $12 million to uh, Virginia Guffrey, who was mm. one of his and Epstein's victims, in order to settle her lawsuit. Um, apparently, Prince Andrew was uh, in this uh, group of people as well. He shows up in Kiev. He goes to this like uh, very exclusive VIP club, You know, has some drinks, has some lunch, orders a couple of little kids to be brought to him. Uh, a boy and a girl about nine or ten years old. Uh, one of the guys that worked there has made uh, multiple uh, statements about that, in fact, video and print. Um, you know, it's, it's corroborated by the flight logs uh, when Andrew was there and stuff. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite horrendous stuff. You know, I mean, so you understand that this war... You know, it's not just about Russia and Ukraine. It's not just about NATO and Russia. This is literally a war, and I don't want to sound like dramatic or anything, but this is a war of, of genuine evil hmm. against the future of humanity. Hmm. And right now, hmm. Russia is the good guys. And so, you know, you take that for what it's worth. Yes. You know, these people, you know, someone that can sell a little kid or cut out his liver to sell, you know, that's that's no longer a human. That's as evil as it gets. You know, to sell human organs is the same. It's like another form of cannibalism. Yes, sir. You know, and if you want to go, 
you just go even Google or, or, you know, I mean, and even as much slanted now as most of the Western search engines are, if you go and just put in human trafficking Ukraine, you know, you'll find, uh, you know, articles saying that it was one of the main centers in the world, you know, going back uh, 10 or 20 years. Is that right? A long time ago. You know, and certainly mm. since, yeah, of course, mm. you can do it yourself, man. I mean, well. anything that I say, you know, I don't, I don't expect anybody to believe anything I say just because I'm here and been here for 10 years and am an eyewitness to most of it. But still do your own homework. Check it out yourself and you'll see. I mean, I don't need to make anything up. I mean, yeah. the do truth you... is on our side anyway. It's our most important weapon. So, of course, <laughs> I don't lie. So, I just don't see any how this is going to even end well and end at all, Russell Bentley. I mean... It's just, well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. The first thing to understand just a mess. is that the military war is inextricably intertwined with the economic war, hmm. which is intertwined also with the diplomatic war and the culture war. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that you see in the culture war, you know, the transgender and the LGBT hmm. and uh, like that um, that isn't going to fly here um, you know in Ukraine they've basically shut down I mean the Russian Orthodox Church is like uh, I won't say it's the only real Christian religion left but I'll say it's the most real Christian religion that's left because I mean Catholic Church there's there's good Catholics but there's nothing good at all about the Vatican. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's rotten to it's the already, core. Yeah. You know, they had a Nazi pope. You know, they've been, you know, a history that's, you know, equally as bad as the Nazis. The Catholic Church helped thousands of Nazis escape from justice and Europe at the end of the Second World War. You know what I mean? So there's, you know, good Catholics, but nothing good about the Catholic Church. The Protestant religions, you know, I mean... You know, these mega churches they have like around Dallas and up like around there, you know, with 50,000 people go there. It's like a football game. Yes. You know, and they preach this uh, (laughs) the prosperity gospel, you know, this vile, despicable lie. That's the opposite of what Jesus taught. They say, uh, you know, and these millionaire preachers with a diamond crusted Rolex, private jet, Rolls Royce, you know, sitting there telling all these rich people, um, you know, you're rich because you're good and God is rewarding you. And all these poor people, you don't have to care about them. You don't have to take care or give anything to them because they're poor because they were bad. And if they would just become good like you, then they will be rich too. So don't worry about the poor people, which is the literally the exact opposite of what Jesus Christ taught, man. I mean, I'm a serious, devout Christian, man. I've read the whole Bible you know, more than just a few times. I understand. You know, the whole thing. There, there's quite you know, a bit so of... when uh, I see stuff like this uh, oh, go ahead. prosperity gospel where they're teaching the opposite, you know, I know that that's just vile and evil, you know? Hmm. And uh, it's it's a disreligion. We, we've seen... The same thing's happening right now in, uh, in Ukraine. The Russian Orthodox churches are being shut down. Hmm. The monasteries, the monks and nuns are being... You know, literally beaten out of these monasteries and chased away, wow. put in prison, or threatened with uh, injury or death if they don't leave. Yeah, 
we've seen uh, quite a few reports, not quite a few, but some, that the whole BlackRock, Vanguard, uh, neocon, uh, cabal people are very um, just um, uh, drooling over all of the, the land as well in Ukraine. But dude, that's, that's a fact too, man. Uh, Is it? You know, I mean, they have uh, the richest has, farmland in the world, don't they? Some of the richest it has, farmland. It has the most the, fertile farm. It has, and and that's the way you determine fertile farmland is how deep the topsoil is. Yes, yes. And then, uh, you know, and so, like, say, you know, Kansas or northern Texas, Oklahoma, you know, where they grow wheat and stuff like that, maybe the topsoil soil there is like, you know, 18 inches or a couple of feet deep. In, in Ukraine, it is a couple of meters deep. Really? Whoa. Yeah. I mean, and uh, even when the German Nazis were here in the Second World War, they, you know, one of their projects, they they loaded up whole freight trains, you know, around the clock with, with just topsoil and took it back to Germany. Is that right? Wow. You know, yeah. And so it's some of the best soil in the world. Um, and BlackRock, I mean, just like... Uh, Two or three years ago, they changed the Ukrainian constitution to where uh, foreign corporations could start buying our agricultural land, and they've been buying it up hand over fist wow. ever since. You know wow. what they haven't bought directly themselves, you know, is bought under the, uh, you know, the name of some of these oligarchs, you know, that that came in back in the '90s and got everything for a penny on the dollar. Yes, sir. And they're, I mean, and the thing is, they're. They're poisoning it, you know. I mean, you know. Remember, uh, in in Russia, GMO is illegal. Yes, sir. To plant or to sell. That's what we understand. Wow. There's no GMO in Russia, wow. you know. And in, of course, in Ukraine, there's nothing that's not GMO. Hmm. You know. And I mean, uh, you know, the thing is, you know, they're using all these really hardcore, uh, you know, Monsanto, uh, you know, Roundup, you know, GMO crops that allow them to use uh, more dangerous and toxic fertilizers. You know, it's the same thing, you know, with uh, depleted uranium. You know, they're bringing in, you know, the Americans have already brought in depleted uranium shells, which poison the water and poison, you know, the land for generations. Yes, yes. You know, for centuries. You know, so they're coming in and they're buying it up, but they're, you know, they're, Destroying it. They're buying it up <laughs> with somebody else's money, and they're destroying it, you know, for a quick profit today. And sell it. You know, it's like killing the golden goose or something, you know. It's just amazing. Russell, before we go, uh, we, we have also seen reports that Zelensky, uh, in this democracy that the United States is trying to save, <laughs> cough, hint, uh, yeah, uh, wants to cancel the elections coming up. Is this correct? Yeah, of course, of course, because uh, first of all, uh, he knows he can't win. I mean, there's no way. I mean, the thing is, he, to the extent that the elections in Ukraine were real, um, when he got, when he came into power, you know, his whole rhetoric before the election was, I'm the anti-war president. Right. He put me in in the uh, in the White House, the Ukrainian White House, and I'm going to stop this war. And he's done, of course, exactly the exact opposite of that. I mean, the war has only escalated. 
you know, the death uh, rate of the Ukrainian army has, you know, is probably high, t- 10 times higher than it used to be to the point where they really are running out of soldiers. And um, it's like if, you know, if, if there was an honest election, you know, it's, you know, it, it would be hard to find, you know, anybody that would be worth voting for that's still in Ukraine, you know. Oh, and so yeah. the only way that Zelensky can retain power is to uh, is to cancel the elections on, with the excuse of martial law. Yes. And you think that's what he's going to do? Um, no, with, without a doubt. Without a doubt, yeah. Did, did uh, Newland and the whole neocon crowd uh, that they did the pre- previous president of Ukraine, did they put Zelensky in? Um, yes, I mean, of course, no one, nothing has happened in Ukraine since 2014 that was not only with the permission, but at the direction of the United States, of the U.S. deep state, the State Department, Secret Services. Um, so Poroshenko had the same, the guy who was president before he had the same problem that Zelensky has now, uh, all the Ukrainians were tired of him. They hated him hmm. because he, he was destroying their country. Um, Zelensky came and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the exact opposite uh, and save the country. And then, of course, he, he made it even worse by far even than Poroshenko did. Um, so, of course, the, uh, you know, nothing, nothing happens in Ukraine that is not on the direct orders of the United States. Huh. Can you give us an idea how they've... How do they manage to have that much control? Is it just pure military might, or what's going on? Well, I mean, yes. To I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, who pays the piper calls the tunes. You know, you remember a few years back ago when you know one of the few honest politicians, the uh, federal prosecutor in Ukraine, started uh, investigating Burisma uh, Oil Company, Ukrainian state oil company. And uh, Hunter Biden's, uh, you know, multiple crimes, you know, business crimes and otherwise. And Joe Biden flew. This was during the Obama administration. And Biden flew to Kiev and he told Poroshenko, he said, I want this prosecutor fired. I'm leaving at five o'clock in the afternoon. If he's not fired before I leave, you don't get the next billion dollars of uh, Hmm. IMF money. I mean, and. And Biden literally, shortly after that, publicly bragged about it. There's videos yes. of him saying those exact words that I just quoted. I understand. You know, so, you know, if somebody tells you, if you don't do what I say, you don't get a billion dollars, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and these are, and the same guys that say, you know, I mean, Zelensky's and Poroshenko before him, you know, his security detail are not Ukrainians, if you understand my meaning. So... Hmm. You know, it's like down in, in Mexico, you know, plata or plomo. Do you want uh, silver or lead? <laughs> you know, so. It's more and more. So, yeah, uh, I mean, the United States with between between the carrot and the stick and the silver and the lead. Yeah. They, they call every shot. They, call, they every, call every shot. And it's surprising, but I, we don't know how far it's going to go. But there's quite a bit of uh, daylight being shed on the whole Biden uh Ukrainian, all the stuff going on with Hunter Biden. I don't know if it'll ever really come out. There's so many swampy people, you know, so-called conservative Republicans. 
in in our Congress. I don't think it'll ever come out. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, do you know uh, was was Biden involved in these in these uh, um, these labs uh, making? Uh, of course, exactly, exactly. Was that what it was about? Biological labs. weapon labs. And and the, the country. I mean the uh, the main company whose name escapes me right at the moment, but the main uh, biological laboratory mm-hmm. company in Ukraine, uh, Hunter Biden was also on the board of that, just like he was with uh, Burisma. Jeez. And that's the main thing that they have to understand. And these people, I mean, they've moved those labs out of, the, uh, out of Ukraine now, but, and Victoria Newland has been questioned about them, and she, she has literally herself admitted that, yes, uh, we did have biological weapons labs in Ukraine, yeah, I, not just one or two, but like a dozen or I, more. I saw the video, and then one thing I'd like yeah. to say, Patrick. Yes, sir. Um, what's that? No, no. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. One thing I want to talk about quick uh, before we finish up here mm-hmm. is you asked uh, me earlier uh, how how things might end here. Yes, sir. And I have. I mean, this is only my opinion, but. From the way it looks here in Donbass, the only way that this can go from a hot war to a cold war is the following. I think pretty soon the Ukrainian army is going to be so decimated, it might even be that pretty soon the funding will get cut off and there just won't be anybody or any bullets left to fight. And the Russians are going to go on the advance. Um, you know, there's there's been talk about a treaty which, you know, oh, okay, we'll have a, we'll make a ceasefire like where the the front line is today, which ain't gonna happen because you know the city of Donetsk where we live, you know, the the jewel of Donbass is still shelled by Ukraine. I mean the front line the Ukrainian positions are like literally 10 miles from the center of the city. You know, they're basically on the city limits. Um, so it's like, uh, if you could imagine, uh, you know, uh, if, if you lived in uh, Round Rock and uh, the Mexican army was in South Austin, you know, shelling you with heavy artillery every day, that, that wouldn't work for you, would it? So the idea of, you know, freezing the front line where it's at now, that's not going to work. Uh, there's another theory that, it will, that Russia will advance to the, uh, to the left side of the Dnieper River, which basically runs pretty much down the middle of Ukraine and cuts it between the western and the eastern. Um, but that doesn't work either because, first of all, the Dnieper is a major, major waterway. It supplies, you know, the drinking water for almost all of eastern Ukraine. And, um, you know, and it's also a major, uh, you know, heavy transport uh, vector. You know, I mean, the ships with the grain, with, you know, everything that comes from north Ukraine on the east and west side comes down that river in big barges. I mean, it's a huge river. It's like the Mississippi or something, you know, mm. and so you can't you can't use it for transport, you know, if, you know, 
there's guys on each side that might be shooting at each other, you know. So, so the only, in my opinion, the only realistic way to move this war from a hot war to a cold war hmm. is for Russia to take Kiev and on a line down to the northern border of Moldova, which is on the western side of, of the Dnieper River, and Russia to control everything east of that line, uh, including Odessa, which will uh, landlock what's left of Ukraine, which which is pretty much, uh, I mean, it's which is heavily, heavily brainwashed and infected by the uh, Nazist philosophy, uh, the Bandera, the Heil Hitler Nazis that collaborated <laughs> with the German Nazis. And also, there's not really anything worth having there. I mean, it's basically the Carpathian Mountains, which have been, you know, completely, uh, you know, the, all, it's been deforested there. That was the thing that they had before was uh, timber. It's been, you know, clear, clear cut. Now there's, you know, uh, there's really not much there. The Poles have expressed an in t intention or at least uh, interest, very strong interest, in maybe taking back some of the part of Western Ukraine that historically was Poland, you know. Hmm. Uh, the Hungarians also have a similar interest about some land along the Hungarian border. So basically, if Russia takes Kiev and everything east of it, and then allows Poland to come in and basically be like, you know, the protectorate or the peacekeepers, then I think on that basis, they can say, okay, let's stop the hot war right now. But I mean, and of course, you understand that for Russia to take Kiev and everything east of it and, and have NATO be okay with that, you know, that's a, that's a, that's uh, another question, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a job. Well, it's, and I think that's what they're going to do, and it'll be a huge military and political defeat for NATO. Hmm. It'll be an overwhelming defeat. NATO will be shown, and the world will be shown, that Russia doesn't mess around. It cannot be defeated by them unless they want to have a nuclear war that kills everybody. But Russia takes what they need and what they want. They give the rest to Poland, and they say, okay, we throw the dog a bone. Now quit barking, and uh, if we have to go back to the hot war again, you know, it, the gloves are off, and uh, you know we're not we're not just going to the Ukrainian border; we're going to the English Channel. Yes, sir. It's it's. But you understand that when Napoleon invaded Russia, the Russians ended up in Paris. I know. <laughs> and when the Germans invaded <laughs> Russia, they ended up in Berlin. I know. And boy, this General McGregor, he painted a picture with uh, Tucker Carlson. And again, you know, he's got his own agenda, and I think he's going to want to run for president mm -hmm. soon. I think that's what this is about. But, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but uh, he, he was really painting a picture of the strength of the Russian army and their goods and stuff. And, you know, he, he said that, you know, he, he, that they were massively stronger than the United States. Is that possible? Well, I mean... But the thing is, you understand, uh, just just on a population, I mean, the Russian economy 
is probably a third or a quarter what the U.S. economy oh, yeah. is. You know, probably a quarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Russian population is little more than half what the uh, U.S. population is. You know, it's um, a huge country too, right? You know, huge. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's a huge country, but there's not a lot of people in it. You yeah, know? right. Um, and there, you know, and Russia has its own uh, internal problems. There's there's a lot of traitors in Russia right now that you know, and, and particularly. Uh, very rich traders who have put uh, their guys in mm. positions of uh, political and economic and mm. even military power. So, you know, if, if it was, you know, the whole country of Russia against the whole country of the United States, it would be a tough fight, you know, considering the political situation. I mean, uh, Russia has on its eastern borders, you know, there's you know, like with this thing with uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, you know, that's a, you know, that's a serious headache for them right now. And there's not and that's not the only place, you know, uh, Kazakhstan is not really trustworthy. You know, the other big wild card here is uh, China. Yeah, I was just going to say, know, uh, whoa, I mean, what about China? Yeah, I mean, what if they jump in? Well, you know, I mean, yeah. and they're, you know, they're hmm. very much uh, playing the long game. And, uh, you know, they Chinese do understand that the United States is a real danger to them and that the United States wants to destroy them just like they're trying to destroy Russia right yes, now. Sir. Yes, sir. But, you know, basically what's happening right now, I mean, the Chinese are paying lip service to being uh, allies of Russia. And certainly if the U.S. starts making moves um, in China against Taiwan or whatever like that, you know, they will certainly remind Russia of how many times they've said they were, you know, Russia's allies. But uh, there's a very many things that China could be doing to help Russia in this very dangerous time for Russia that they're just simply not doing. You know, I mean, they're, they're you know, they're, they're talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk, you know. And I mean, so from that point of view, you know, maybe the Chinese are just sitting back, you know, and if their two biggest competitors are, Russia and the United States in the form of NATO in the form of Ukraine, you know, the weaker that both of those get just is the more stronger China gets. You yes, know? So, and as you know, the you know, whole it's, it's, it's they had a huge right at all. You know, McGregor yes, simplifies things way too much, of in course. my opinion, and Ritter too. Yeah, there, as you know, there was a huge uh, get together with the BRICS, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, mm -hmm. China, what is it, South America or South Africa. And these people were lining yeah. up to join. I think they, Saudi Arabia, and uh, th this is going to be a force to reckon with this BRICS thing. And a lot of countries want to join, and they're dumping the dollar. This whole mm -hmm. uh, financial thing with the dollar, and it's it's going to be interesting in the next few well, years. And, and understand that, like like I said earlier, you know that uh, military war and economic war, right, are the same thing. Same just, thing. You know, going at two different speeds. <laughs> Same thing, same thing, same thing. Well, Mr. Bentley, thanks for you uh, being here. You take care of yourself. Our best to your, to your. Uh, All right, uh, to your wife. Thanks, thanks for having me on again, Patrick. And, uh, glad to be able to get my voice out there off the good out of the in the hill country one more time. You know, say I mean, say hello to all my friends there. Um, well, you if know, this show is going all over the world, so I'm just based in the Texas Hill Country, but right. I will say. So do you see yourself coming back anytime soon and visiting or ever living here? Do you think uh, you'll live over there? Well, I, 
I'll, I'll say what I've been saying since I got here. Uh, if if I go if I go back, I'm bringing the Russian army with me <laughs> to liberate and denazify the United States. Well, that'll be a big job. <laughs> Russell yeah. Bentley, thank you, sir. You take care of yourself. Godspeed. Thank you. All right, you too, Patrick. Thanks Bye-bye. a lot. Take care. Good luck. Bye. Russell Bentley, uh, live from Donetsk in uh, Ukraine. Wow, what a trip, huh? We uh, we we put the. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't know how much is totally accurate with this uh, this uh, general that um, Tucker Carlson interviewed. I think he is. I get the feeling he's going to run for president. Um, you know, but there'd probably be worse guys. Anyway, uh, but you can find it. I think you could just uh, uh, Google up Tucker Carlson, Colonel uh, McGregor. And he did a quite an extensive interview with Carlson. Remember, Carlson has he has more viewers than uh, all of the uh, the uh, mainstream media put together. Totally, way more. So the American people know what's going on over there, just because CNN and and um, the rest of them don't carry it, or they, you know, it doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. So the whole world knows what's going on, just not the people that watch the news in the United States. That's it. Other than that, probably 150 million, 100 million people, maybe. Okay, well, we are going to take a little break here, and then Darko Valchek is going to be here, Valchek, and uh, he's a cool guy. Uh, he had an issue with his internet yesterday when we were going to have him on, so we're going to talk to him for a little while and dig into his life and, and what goes on with his uh, salt healing protocol. And... Um, It'll be fun. So I'm just going to take a quick break and then stay right there. And then Darko Velchek will be on board live right here. And we can call up or email and talk to him. Thank you. May the blessings be. Thanks for your support. Broadcasting from the beautiful hill country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.